welcome to another episode, another week of diving into these gospel texts. Um, I am really, I will, I'll say I am the least excited about this passage we have going. <laughs> um, so there's a great like start off for you, but I am really excited about the company to converse about it with. So um, I would love for us all to introduce ourselves, and I'll just start um, by saying I'm Haley. I'm the Associate Director at Campus to City Wesley, and um, your weekly uh, host. So, um, Sarah, why don't you introduce yourself next? Yeah, um, I'm Sarah. I am the Assistant Director um, of Communication and Studio Wesley at Campus to City Wesley. Um, so I oversee a lot of social media things and online content pieces. Um, that's kind of general gist. I also take a lot of photos. Um, that's the other fun thing. That's actually probably one of the most life-giving parts of my job, fun fact. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited to be here again. I don't do these a ton, at least I haven't this semester, but I am excited to be here. Um, and I don't know if I get to pick who goes next, but I want to hear um, about Alex and who she is and what she does. So I'm going to invite Alex to talk now. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, so I am Alex and I'm the Director of Communications at Crossroad Church, which is actually pretty close to UNS, right by the town center there. And um, I also do a lot of social media, a lot of picture taking. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I'm just excited to be here too. I love to I love to hear what you guys have, and um, I love to just hear different perspectives from my own on on what God might be sharing. So I'm just excited. So I guess that leaves Grace. That's me. Um, hello, my name is Grace. Um, I go to UNF, but I am a fellow for CCW. New thing this semester. Um, been great but I also do social media things so I run the UNF CCW Instagram follow us if you don't follow all the CCWs there's so many of them um and I also just help with community things so I work um with Brooke Brooke Lawrence if y'all know her she's lovely um but just plan things my main thing right now is CCW tea time it will be a recurring thing so that's that's all I got. <laughs> well, thank you all. I'm really excited um, to hear y'all's different perspectives and um, different backgrounds that we all come from. But before we dive into our scripture, um, Sarah, will you ground us in some prayer? Uh, sure. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, thank you so much for providing us with this opportunity to come together and dive deeper into your word um, and discover what you might be trying to say to us through that word and how you might be trying to grow us. Um, I ask that you would bless our time together and allow it to be fruitful and loving and full of your spirit and grace. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, so our text today is John 3, 14 through 21. And I have just decided it, I believe is a movement of the spirit, but it could not be that I'm going to change the version to message. Um, because if you have been in the church a while, you may be familiar with this passage. <clears throat> However, 
message is not a word for word translation. It's more of a paraphrase, paragraph type translation. And so um, we'll have to start at 13 for that to work. So um, John 3, 13 and following. No one has ever gone up into the presence of God except the one who came down from that presence, the son of man. In the same way that Moses lifted the serpent in the desert so people could have something to see and then believe, it is necessary for the Son of Man to be lifted up, and everyone who looks up to him, trusting and expectant, will gain a real life, eternal life. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his Son, his one and only Son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. This is the crisis we're in. God light streamed into the world, but men and women everywhere ran for darkness. They went for the darkness because they were not really interested in pleasing God. Everyone who makes a practice of doing evil, addicted to denial and illusion, hates God light and won't come near it fearing a painful exposure, but anyone working and living in truth and reality welcomes God light so the work can be seen for the God work it is. This is the word of God for us today. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> so I'm going to invite um, Alex to start us off. We always start with what we liked. Um, so Alex, what did you like about this passage? Um, so it's probably kind of basic, but, um, to be honest, it's something that, uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one that sometimes struggles with it, but the fact that it talks about how, um, God sends Jesus, like, like he's sending him to us. That means that we're, wherever we are, that God is coming to us, that wherever we are on that journey, um, whether we realize it or not, which is pretty Methodist, but, um, wherever we are, um, you know, that that God sent him to us to find us in whatever that moment is and, and he'll keep coming. But I know it's just the most basic thing, but to me, it's always incredibly so powerful before we even knew that we needed him. God had already sent his son and God was, you know, planning just way ahead of us. And so, um, I, you know, it's just, it's simple, but to me, it's one of the more profound things, I think. Thanks, Alex. Um, Grace, what about you? What did you like? Um, I had a couple of things, actually. Um, of course, the part where it says, like, God didn't send Jesus here to condemn people, but just to help us and to save us. Because um, a lot of times people will use the Bible to condemn people and to be like, Jesus came here for all this and you're still acting this way. like or fill in the blank, like anything they'll use the Bible to hurt people with. Um, 
so I really love the verses that do the opposite and remind us that like Jesus is here regardless of the choices that we make of course like you're you line yourself up with Jesus and you want to make good choices but Jesus is here regardless um so that's one thing and also I just really love the imagery of um the ascension I just I love like when Jesus gets baptized and you have like the birds and everything I love that and like the bright lights and then the ascension um the images like that just like get my heart going <laughs> but it's about it <laughs> That's great. And then Sarah, what did you like? Yeah. So fun fact, when I first read this passage, like 30 minutes ago, I was like, I don't like any of this, actually. (laughs) I don't have a like. Um, But I I did get past that. And I actually really like the verses at the end, where it's talking about how those who are doing harm and evil things are like, afraid of being vulnerable and being put in the light and coming forward and being honest right and truthful and like being in the spotlight and light shining on themselves but then those who are living lives that are good and not doing evil and like are being truthful and like gesture and stuff they're okay with being in the light and I just I really feel like that's a call to like to live authentically as your whole self is like to live into holiness um and so to like hide who you are and hide what you're doing and be dishonest is not serving anyone well and it's not what god asks of us and so i i appreciate that affirmation for like authentic living i think thanks sarah um yeah i teased that i was like least excited to talk about this passage too now i think that that my qualm with it has more to do with me being an individualist for than it does with anything else because it just feels like everybody knows this one why can't we talk about the stories that other people don't know about that don't get enough like credence um And so kind of in that vein, the thing that I liked in this passage was how it starts with this nod to Moses um, and this story from the Old Testament that is being reinterpreted in a new way that I um, recently listened to um, the interview with um, Amy Jill Devine and I'm not going to, Rabbi Mark, I think, I can't remember his last name. Um, They wrote a book together about the ways that Christians and Jewish people read the Bible very differently. Um, What the climax is for a Jewish person versus a Christian person in light of the Messiah and all of those things. Um, They were on the Bible for Normal People podcast just a few weeks ago, if you wanted to check out that interview. but I could see even in this passage, this, this moment where Moses lifts up the serpent um, on the staff to heal um, Israel who has found themselves covered in boils and being sickness and uh, sickness from God's judgment, um, how that might not have been the most important scripture before, but now in light of a cross and and a and 
a suffering Christ upon it and something for us to look at. It's reinterpreted in a whole new way. Um, and so I just really appreciated that kind of full circle. And I think it also redeems um, that story a little bit that a lot of times um, we have this vision of like Old Testament God is mean and petty and New Testament God is full of grace. Um, and just a reminder that um, maybe it is the way that people are reading that Old Testament God, not really the way God is. And that just reminds us that God loves the world. So that's what I liked. Um, but there are plenty of things to wrestle with in this passage. So I'll ask Grace to get us started with um, her challenges and see where we go from there. Thank you. Um, so I am at that point where I have to like actually decide what my theologies are going to be and like what I think and what does this mean? Um, so the part where it says like, oh gosh, um, I'm in the NRSV, but um just talking about like the people who decide to hate the light and they don't come to the light and then they're already condemned and they've been condemned. Like they didn't get condemned. They've always been condemned until they choose the light. Um, and I'm like wrestling with this, like, does hell exist? And do we end up there unless we choose Jesus? Does Jesus, does Jesus automatically save us now because of the crucifixion and resurrection? Like, is this a thing that's in place now to where everybody is always going to be saved? Do we still make this choice? Is it, I've heard it compared to like a train and like the train's already going, but you have to jump on the train or certain people think like there's just a set number of people on this train and you can't get on if you're not chosen for it. Um, which like, for me, that's like, out of the question anyways no um but there's also this concept of like you don't have to jump on the train god already like picks you up and you don't have to make this choice um and there's the question of like then does god let the people that have been created in god's image like do these people just end up going to hell because they didn't choose god and it it opens up a lot of questions that i don't have the tools to answer right now and that i don't want to answer at the moment so still figuring out my theology and how I feel about that and so I don't like the verses where they explicitly say that like these people are going to be condemned unless they choose Jesus um yeah yeah so um so interesting to see the way the bible speaks about that differently in different passages um I definitely want to talk about that more. I also want to hear Sarah's challenge too. So I'll invite Sarah to add. I mean, I think my challenge flows out of the same vein as Grace's. Like it's those same verses. It it feels very much like a false dilemma, either or fallacy thing. Like then there's not room in those verses given for middle grounds and gray areas. And that really bothers me because I, I don't think that most things in life and spirituality 
are black and white. I think we live in the gray. I mean, I think there's a YouTuber um, who I've watched a couple times called God is Gray. And it's all about how this like in between space is often where God is. And so those verses just feel very oppositional to that to me. And I mean, I've often found God in these very murky spaces like that some people are very uncomfortable and against. And just the way this is phrased, it didn't do it as much in the message. And so I actually appreciated the way the message put it. But in, I read like the CEB, um, I think whenever I was prepping for this and it just felt like a whole chunk of manipulation in the middle. It was like, I don't wanna hurt you, I don't wanna do it. But if you don't do this, I have to hurt you. Like, and that's what abusers say. And like, I don't wanna think God is an abuser because I don't think God's an abuser, right? But like, that's the way that chunk translated for me in some ways. And it just, it was a, it was a, a spot I was wrestling with. And that was part of why I was like, I don't like this passage <laughs> because this is not the loving, graceful God I have experienced and that we see in other portions of scripture oftentimes. Yeah, I, um, I think my challenge comes from a very similar idea that in, in my experience, um, I feel like the people who struggle to choose God don't do so in defiance, but more in being unable to accept God's love and feeling like they don't deserve it. Um, and I noticed when I was reading it in the message version, um, the way he said that they're fearing a painful exposure. Um, I think the difference between um, vulnerability full love and pain are actually not all that different. And so I just, I, I feel like that's more the way I read it than this black and white, like God light versus God darkness. And like people just don't like light. Um, I think it's almost like, I don't know if y'all have ever been working on something in yourselves and you're like, why can't I just want to do, like, I want to do the right thing or like, I, I want this thing to change. And like, I just don't understand why I just can't like believe that I deserve it enough to like actually make that change. Um, I definitely feel like that's more true to my experience around who God is. But I also think it's important to remember that this in context, all comes out of this conversation with Nicodemus asking in the darkness, hey, Jesus, psst, don't tell any of the other rabbis I'm here, but like just kind of wondering what the whole eternal life thing is from your perspective. Um, and so I also wonder if some of that like, hey, I'm not here to condemn you, but also like, I'm not going to let you off the hook for the fact that you're 
not wanting to look upon me in public might be an important shade to understanding this particular passage too. Um, what about you, Alex? What challenged you? So, you know, I was thinking about this because I mean, kind of like what you guys just said, wouldn't it have just been great if it ended at like, God loved the world. And so he sent his son and everyone's happy at the end, you know, but there is this part in there that's longer, maybe even in, in like actual words, um, that's about the judgment part. And so it just kind of made, it made me think that, um, like grace, grace, God's grace is more powerful because of the judgment to some extent, right? So like, if you're never wrong, then why would you apologize, right? Like, what is even the point of that? And it made me think a long time ago, I had read something or heard something in psychology that, you know, we have this picture of ourselves in our mind's eye. And um, I think it was referring to the physical picture of like, well, this is what I look like. And this is how I act. And we just kind of have this in there. And I, it made me wonder if we have that same version in a spiritual sense, right? So if we have this picture in our brain of how we are spiritually, and we're just maybe not, because the thing about the physical one is it's not, that's not how people see us. You know, that's not physically exactly what we look like. And so um, I just kind of was, I was like, man, I wonder if we have, if we do the same thing spiritually, if we have this picture in our brain of what we're, um, what we're acting like or doing, or, you know, I'm a good person or or whatever the thing is. Um, And, and Haley, I kind of was tying that in a little bit to what you were saying too, is like, maybe, maybe we don't think about the fact um, or don't want to think about the fact that, um, that grace is hard. And, and so we're like, well, I'm just going to sit here. I'm just going to sit where I'm at um, and not think about the judgment at all and not think about, but then grace can't be as full and as great as it is. So I don't know. I just was really wrestling back and forth with that because man, it really would have been great if that just ended at the beginning part. Um, So I, I don't know if that made a lot of sense, but that's where I was, that's where I was struggling, I guess, am struggling. No, I think that makes sense to me. And it leads me to a question that I've been asking myself a lot is why, why I tend to shy away from trusting love as a reliable teacher. Um, That it seems to me like guilt and condemnation and shame have been have been my more vocal teachers in my life. Um, But maybe, maybe love can be like even more effective. But for some reason, there's just this part of us, I think that says, well, how, how is that possible? How could love be as effective of a teacher? Um, isn't that just going to be dismissive? Isn't that just going to include all of these things? And I wonder where, where there is nuance, even if the passage doesn't, isn't able to encapsulate all that nuance, where there's nuance in this invitation of God loving the world. I don't know. Do y'all have any thoughts on that? It's just a random thought. I know Sarah has to take in her thoughts and sit with them, but she's also next up 
on the, the list of responses in her gospel implication. So if something comes to you, Sarah. I mean, here's the thing. I was listening to you, but I was also trying to think about the words for my gospel implication because I didn't want to just trip over them all. And so I don't feel adequately prepared to speak into what you said, even though I found it intriguing because my brain was already half in something else. That's just me being honest because, you know, what this whole passage is about is like, you know, whoever does the truth comes to the light so it can be seen that their actions were done in God. And so I'm not going to lie and say that I was giving you my full attention in that moment. Um, <laughs> there's some practical application, I feel like maybe. Um, but if you're wanting me to just continue on to my gospel implication, Haley, um, I think my gospel implication that I pull away from this kind of difficult passage, which is technically red letter passage, but also like oral tradition becomes written tradition, gets translated, yada, 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 um, is that I, I come back to this verse where God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world, that the world might be saved through him. And when I think about him, obviously we're talking about Jesus and God, and there's this notion that God and Jesus are love, right? They are love, Jesus was love incarnate. Um, and so I hear that and I think, God sent love into the world so that we might know love, right? That we might know deep, meaningful love. And then it talks about later, you know, light coming into the world, which again, still part of Jesus and that being something that we should live into. And I think the call of this passage is to live into love with one another. And maybe that's why whoever put this down in the language they put it down in, um, uses such black and white language, right? Maybe they were just like, I just want everyone to really, really lean into this love thing, right? I just want everyone to know what I have, to know this love of God, this peace, this joy that I have. And so I'm gonna use this really strong language because I think sometimes we get so caught up in what we like are trying to tell people that maybe we don't actually give room for nuance because we just want everyone to come with us on this great thing. Um, and so I guess my gospel implication of this package, passage is just, that love, to love one another and be loved by God is this incredibly powerful, beautiful thing. And we are called to consider that love in all that we do and in everything around us for the whole world. Because as it says at the beginning, I believe there's, you know, came for the world. God didn't send his son into the world, the world. There's a whole thing. So God didn't send love into the world for us to not do anything with it. I think that's the implication. Thanks, Sarah. <clears throat> My gospel implication I feel like it's just I mean Alex you said it when you said the like it's like just kind of the plain and and simple like surface level. I want it to be deeper, but I'm I'm wrestling to go deeper with this passage, but it is this gospel, like capital G gospel, like Jesus being sent into the world for its restoration and healing through love. Um, and I don't, 
I think that there's a lot more uh, invitation, but I think what I want to explore more is that, like, the way the good news, God's voice sounds like love and not like blaming, finger pointing, like you're a horrible person type thing and how I think my takeaway or, or what I what I hope I will continue to explore is when I can point to promptings of the spirit of my personal growth being like God's voice and when I can point to shame and guilt and like not God's voice trying to like annoy me into growth or guilt me into growth or you know something like that so um so yeah god is love god sends love all good news um but also something to wrestle with to be able to accept so uh alex what was your gospel implication Haley, i really like that too what you just said um because i think it's it is really easy, and I don't know why, but guilt and shame are really awfully powerful motivators, not in a good way, you know, and it is, it is hard sometimes to, to lean away from those and to find something that's, that's a healthier, more loving, you know, so I, I really appreciate what you said, but so I cheated a little bit here, and it's because, um, so it was like, okay, well, this whole thing is having this conversation with Nicodemus and I knew that it was in the dark at night. And then I knew that Nicodemus had gone back to Jesus later, but I like was kind of curious about that a bit more. So I dug in. And so this is the first time that Nicodemus is talking to him and it's at night. And then later he like kind of dips his toe in, in this gathering of Pharisees and like kind of stands up for Jesus potentially sort of, but like not in this really overt way. Right. And then the next time is when, He's um, uh, like helping prepare Jesus' body for burial, which is like just, I mean, flat out, you're sold out at this point. Everybody knows you're with this guy, right? And so I just was really thinking about this journey that Nicodemus was on and how um, kind of it kind of tied back to the thing that I liked about the gospel too, or about the, um, the passage too, was that um, God sends his son and then he sends him to us on whatever part of the journey that we're all on this giant, crazy journey going through all kinds of things and we're all being transformed and changed for the better. And I just thought it was such a cool, like I had never noticed that before. I'd never like connected the dots of Nicodemus. So that's why I say I cheated a little bit because I was like, I just need to know, I need to know these things. But um, you know, I mean, this is the first time that we're seeing kind of like, it's like his starting point, you know, like, and so I just thought that was, you know, to me that we're all on the journey and that God comes to us exactly where we are. And it's super patient. I mean, Jesus, if you think about it, Jesus was dead when Nicodemus really maybe comes to full, like when this journey comes to fruition, you could potentially say he doesn't even in that moment get to recognize that. I mean, you know, you can argue the fact that he was already anyways. So I just, that just, you know, I don't know, that was really, really powerful for me and made me, was encouraging to me. I think that, um, you know, that we're all on the journey and not only that, but that God is incredibly patient and just like. I'm just here for it, you know? I love that, Alex. And I think it speaks to the power of testimony and how um, when we 
think about gospel, it is those testimonies of where we've seen it that invite other people to think about, well, where am I at on the journey and where can I end up getting on the journey? And so um, I think that's helpful to also think about the story from that lens. So I appreciate that. Um, Grace, what about you? What was your gospel implication? Um, well, first, yeah, Alex, I really loved that. Um, cause it's not about this like little, I mean, it somewhat is cause it's part of it, but just this little like individual story that we hear versus like this entire journey that we have with him, with Nicodemus, like he right here, Jesus is kind of reprimanding him. Cause he's like, come on, man, like you get out of the dark. But then later, obviously, like if he's preparing Jesus's body, then like he's all in. Um, and it had me thinking about like instances where I've not been fully in line with Jesus, but it's part of my journey. And I'm all the way down here on my journey now instead of like back here. So it's, it reminds me of, the the TikToks where um this guy's like talking to himself um and he's like if somebody messes up what would you do he's like oh they they get another chance they get another chance but if it was you oh no 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 not me I'm a failure like but it's not like that it's part of like there is this little story and like five small instances where this thing didn't go the way that I wanted it to and I feel like I failed God or something but my whole journey is a completely different thing when you include like every single story and the reasoning behind it and how it affects the next story. Um, but my gospel implication, um, it goes back to Moses and the serpent. Um, and I really liked how the message phrased it because it said it was necessary. Um, the NRSV just says that so must the son of man be lifted up, but I really love how the message phrases it it being necessary um because it connects again the old testament with the new testament and we have that we have like the passage in the old testament that then the exact thing plays out during jesus's crucifixion that's like one of my favorite bible connection things um but we have it again here where like this thing happens in the old testament and like you said earlier Haley, like it's not that big a deal then but now we connect it with this and it's like oh my gosh um and it reminds me of that I drew this like really poorly done rendition of it but there's this picture um and it looks like a rainbow and it's like every single moment that the old testament and the new testament have connected with each other um and that's just really powerful to me and of course like on one hand you can see that like taking something from the Jewish culture but it's also Christianity is so much of Jewish culture as well because Jesus is Jewish. Um, but it, yeah, that's just really powerful to me when we see like all of these connections and like how intricately God had to like plan all these things to make everything line up like all the way down here. God has to do all these things back here just to make this happen here. Um, yeah. That was Grace's rainbow thing. I think she was referencing in case anyone uh, was curious. Is that it, Grace? Right? I've, 
never heard of that I for sure have to go look that up that's really cool I'll send it to our chat (laughs) it's so pretty and it's a rainbow and like rainbows in God yeah I um if you send me the link I'll post it when um this airs and post it in the YouTube comments for people watching so that you can um check that out and also post the um podcast that I mentioned but I love that your gospel implication is wrapped up in this completion or um connection uh and fullness that happens um because we can't think of this gospel story as plan B. If we think of it as plan B, then I think that's the worst thing we can do for our siblings who read the Hebrew scriptures to kind of write them off as like, you didn't, you didn't get it the first time and we got plan B, but that it's all connected and it's all part of that plan A. So, um, thank you all for your conversation around this passage. Um, I just turned out to be quite lovely to talk about and talk about with you all. Um, and I wonder, Alex, if you would mind closing us in a, in a prayer. I would love to. Thanks. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you, um, for the wisdom in your words, God, and we thank you for Uh, the wisdom and the perspective that we gain from others around us in our community, God. God, would you help us to lean into your grace and your love and that those would be our motivators, God, not shame or guilt, and that we would step into the journey that you have for us, God, Uh, that we would have our hearts and ears open to look for spaces and times and places where you are present and working, God, and help you and join you in that work. God, we thank you for this time today, and we thank you for the work you're doing even now in our lives and the lives of those we love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, blessings, friends, and I wish you um, good things on the journey and that you hear God's love. So, Thank you for listening to this episode of Deep Gospel. Deep Gospel is a weekly conversation and ministry of Campus to City Wesley, a multi-site campus ministry serving college-age young adults in Northeast Florida. To find out more about worship gatherings and other ways to connect to our community, check out campustocity.org. You can also support us by becoming a Patreon supporter. Until next time, blessings.